passion for God and compassion for our neighbor. Reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Jordan Gowing. Good morning again. Welcome to Crosswinds Church or Spencer Campus. Uh, this morning we are continuing our series looking briefly at some of the Psalms. And uh, this morning we're going to be in Psalm 127. Psalm 127 is traditionally known as a wisdom psalm. And uh, it is a psalm that hopefully provides the, uh, the remedy to the chaos that surrounds us. Even more importantly, it provides the, the remedy to the chaos that we find in our own hearts. If you find yourself at a place where you are nervous about the future, where you're going to be in the next five to ten years, whether you're still going to be at the same place of employment, this psalm gives peace. If you find yourself nervous about the future of our country, this psalm gives you respite. If you find yourself nervous about the future of your children, whether they are going to follow God, what they are going to have to face in their own lives, this psalm gives you rest. This is a very, very important psalm because all of our anxieties really come to a head in this psalm. The chaotic waters that that seem to surround us so often can be calmed into beautiful, simple, powerful moments of peace with these beautiful words. If you have a Bible, I invite you to open up to Psalm 127. As you're going to notice, this is a really short Psalm, and these verses focus on one truth, and I hope it's this truth that hits home for us this morning. I hope it's the thing that dwells in our hearts this morning, and that is this God's reign extends to every corner of your life. God's reign extends to every corner of your life. Every single thing that you experience, God reigns over it. There is not a single part of your life that God is not aware of. God is in charge. God is never caught off guard in your life. And by extension, God's reign extends to every single corner of the universe as well. The way this psalm describes it is by looking at four different areas, and that's what we're going to focus on this morning. Four areas of our lives that may seem chaotic, but where God reigns. It's my prayer that we walk away with confidence in God's rule and God's reign over these areas. And not only that, but our hearts are spurred on to action in each of these four areas. God's reign extends to every corner of your life. As we approach God's word, please join me in prayer. Father, we are so very thankful for your words. We are thankful that they teach us more about you. They teach us how to follow you. They give us assurance in who you are. And God, we ask now that you would come and speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please hear these words from Psalm 127. 
Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with him. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with the enemies in the gates. I mentioned that this focuses on four different areas where God's rule and God's reign extends. And the first area that we see is this. God is completely in control of the chaos in your church. God is completely in control of the chaos in your church. Psalm 127 verse 1, the first half of this says this. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. You might be saying, well, how on earth does Jordan get to a building project for a house to talking about the church? Well, the key to this psalm is really the subtitle, which we skipped over. If you notice, the subtitle says this, a song of ascent of Solomon. What does that mean? Well, as we look at the book of Psalms, there are about 15 psalms that are labeled with this subtitle, a song of ascent. And these are psalms that were written with a special significance, a special focus in mind. All of these psalms were compiled with this focus on Jerusalem. Every single year, there were three festivals that everyone in Israel was called to return to Jerusalem to celebrate. And as they were journeying to Jerusalem, they would sing these psalms. If you're familiar with the geography of Israel, you know that Jerusalem is on really a mountaintop. And so from no matter where you came, you had to ascend to get to Jerusalem. And people would sing these songs as they were on their pilgrimage, on their journeys to Jerusalem. And these songs focus on God's coming Messiah. They focus on meeting with God in his temple in Jerusalem. This psalm is a song of ascent, and so it has this focus on the temple, focus on meeting with God. But notice also that this subtitle says that this was written by Solomon. There are only two psalms in the book of Psalms that were written by Solomon, so this should give us pause, should make us think about the significance of what is being written here. We're familiar with the life of Solomon. We know that Solomon was the one who wrote or who built the temple. He built God a house, as it is described in First Kings in this narrative. And so, what is being viewed here, yes, is every building project. Indeed, God has to be a part of every single building project, but but specifically the temple. God has to be present. Indeed, any sort of building temple without God is futile. It is useless, but especially building God a temple. If God is not present, then God will not bless it, and God will not be there. In ancient times, this referred to the temple, as I mentioned. It referred to God's dwelling place among the people of Israel. For us today, it refers to the church. It doesn't refer to this building doesn't refer to any specific building, but rather the corporate gathering of his people. 
because God does indeed dwell among his people. Friends, this psalm gives us hope because God is completely in charge of the chaos in the church. I'm not saying that we are a particularly chaotic church. If you're a a guest here and you're a little bit nervous about my use of pronouns there, that's not not, not the focus here. It's just the chaos in general of the United States church. We've seen statistics posted about how the church in the United States is shrinking. We live in a culture that seems to have less and less of a place for those who follow Jesus in it. And we live in a chaotic world. And that chaos can creep into the church. This psalm gives us confidence that God is in charge. This psalm gives us confidence that God has not forgotten us or his church. At the same time, this focuses on the the big church, the church in America, the church in the world, that God has not forgotten them. It also, I think, focuses on us here at Crosswinds as well. We can be completely confident, no matter the uncertainty of our worship location, that God is in control. We can be completely confident that no matter the limitations of this facility or any other facility that we have worshipped at here in Spencer, God is completely, utterly in control. No matter how many people are here on a Sunday morning, God is completely and utterly in control. It reminds me of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 16 where he says this, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Notice what Jesus promises there at the very end of that passage. Jesus promises that he will build his church. He promises that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, because he is building his church. Jesus is completely, utterly, 100% in charge of his church. He's not caught off guard by anything that faces us or anything that faces any of his people. Jesus is committed to his church around the globe. And he is committed to us here at Crosswinds. This should give us encouragement. It should quiet the fears in our hearts, but it also should spur us on to action. Because notice that this passage assumes that the people of God are actively at work. While we can rest assured that God is building his church at the same time, we must ask, are we a church that is God-centered? Are we actively welcoming the new person, the person that doesn't seem to be talking to anyone on a Sunday morning? Because that is our responsibility as God's church. Are we actively inviting those who are far from God to join us on a Sunday morning? Because that is our responsibility as God's church. 
Are we actively seeking God's will for our future as a church? Are we doing so corporately? Are we doing so individually? Are we doing so as families? Because God has called us to do so as his church. Friends, God is completely in control of his church. God reigns over his church. He reigns over every single individual church, including ours. Rest in this truth. The second thing this passage tells us is that God is completely in control of the chaos of your government. He's completely in control of the chaos of your government. Look at the second half of verse 1 here. It says this, Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. This truth, that God is completely in charge of our government, is indeed a timely word, is it not? Especially in this political season with the election coming up, God remains in control. You see, in ancient times, watchmen were essential for the survival of a nation. They were really the first line of defense against enemies, and and they were really the first line of defense about keeping a nation in power. And the psalmist describes this importance of a watchman, but also says that a watchman is useless without God at work as well. Today, we don't have as much of a need for watchmen. We have satellites, we have drones that can do that for us. This isn't a statement against a a strong military, it's just a statement of practicality. We don't live in a world where our enemies dwell less than a hundred miles away. Today, the threats to our nation are different. Moral compromise, complacency, increasing division among different political parties. Don't let the cultural differences cause you to miss out on the timeless truth that Psalm 127 is telling us. God is in charge. In the book of Daniel, Daniel describes it this way. It says, Daniel answered and he said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. To whom belong wisdom and might. God changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells within him. No matter who is elected in November, God is completely, utterly in charge of our nation. No matter what happens After the election, because of the person who is elected, God remains in charge. One book of the Bible that is completely, utterly clear on this is the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is a prophet who is absolutely disgusted with the idolatry and the immorality of the nation of Judah. And so he pleads with God to do something about it, to fix this problem, to call his people back to him. He says this in Habakkuk chapter 1. He says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Habakkuk cries out to God, asking him to do something about the situation that his nation is in. And God shocks him with his response. God replies and says, I'm doing something about it, Habakkuk. You see the Chaldeans, you see the Babylonians, they're coming. 
and they're going to bring judgment upon the people of Israel. And Habakkuk is just absolutely shocked by this. He says, surely, God, you can't be serious about using Babylon. You can't be serious about using Babylon to to fix this problem. He says this, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if you were told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who marched through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They're dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Habakkuk is taken aback by this and says, God, how could you do something like this? How could you use the Babylonians to bring justice upon the people of Israel? And God replies and says, their time is coming. Their day will come. If we look at human history, we see that God kept his word. The wicked people of Judah... God used the wicked people of Babylon to bring judgment upon them. The wicked people of Babylon, God used the wicked people of Persia to bring judgment upon them. The wicked people of Persia, God used the wicked people of Greece to bring judgment upon them. The wicked people of Greece, God used the wicked people of Rome to bring judgment upon them. And we could go on and on and talk about the Goths, the Huns, the Britons, the Saracens, the Spanish, the French, even the Americans. God is at work. God is completely in charge of world governments. And so ask yourself, is God involved in your politics? Is God involved in your politics? We live in a unique time period in human history where for the last 200 or so years, we are experimenting with something that is beautiful called democracy. It's not perfect, but it is beautiful. We have a rare privilege that ancient kingdoms never had before a say in how we are governed. And we're going to look a little bit more at this topic, at the topic of politics uh, on Labor Day weekend. But for now, rest assured, God reigns. God is completely in control. Even when the world seems to be chaos around us, God remains in control of our government. Next, this passage tells us this. God is completely in control of the chaos in your work. God is completely in control of the chaos in your work. Look at verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. This passage isn't just addressing the workaholic. It's for each and every one of us. This passage is saying that everything good that comes in our work environment, the successes that we experience, the raises that we receive, the lives that we are able to impact, all of those things come from God's hand. And at the exact same time, every single struggle that we experience, the frustrations that we have with our coworkers and with our bosses, the temptations that we face at work, the demotions that we may receive, even the job loss that we may experience. All of those come from God's good and loving hand. And so if you find yourself at a place where you're experiencing chaos at work, rest assured. The good comes from God because he loves you. And the bad comes from God to make you more like him because he loves you. And so ask yourself, is your work 
God-centered? Is your work God-centered? Are you a workaholic pouring everything into your vain effort to get ahead? In contrast, are you a sloth not caring about the effort that you put forth? This psalm reminds us of the importance of our work. It reminds us of how God uses our work to mold us and to shape us and to bless others through it. God is completely in control of the chaos of your work. Finally, this passage reminds us that God is completely in control of the chaos in your family. God is completely in control of the chaos in your family. Take a look at the last few verses of this psalm. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like, an arrow, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with him. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. When my son Silas was first born, this psalm was a refuge for Crystal and me, especially for me. I was becoming a, a dad for the first time, and so I was faced with realities that I, I had known theoretically in my head, but I was now experiencing as, as something that was new and tangible. And as I held this little boy, I was acutely aware of the fact that I couldn't protect him from everything. I wasn't able to stop anything bad from happening to him. I remember the first night that we were able to bring Silas home. I, uh, I was at a place that probably many of you remember. I was uh, unable to sleep when I heard Silas because he was making noise. And I was unable to sleep when I couldn't hear Silas because I was wondering what was going on and whether he was going to be all right. I was at a place where I realized that I couldn't watch over him every single moment to, to see how this new little one was learning how to breathe and how to live outside of the protection of the womb. And in the midst of this realization of my helplessness as a parent, Psalm 127 was a refuge. It was such a refuge that I memorized the first part of it as a, as a reminder to myself that God reigns, that God is in control. And every single time I would find myself overcome with anxiety, I would just preach this passage to myself. As I was overcome with anxiety, I would say, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborer labors in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborer labors in vain. God is in control. God is in charge. He is the one who reigns, and he will take care of my children. God is in charge. And we must remember that our children are not really ours. What ultimately happens to our children is ultimately in God's hands. We may want to protect them from bullies, from pain, from sickness, from hurts, but ultimately it is in God's hands. Some of you come from chaotic families. You have a family with estranged children or estranged other relatives. Maybe your children are estranged from God. Maybe it's both. Perhaps you and your family still bear the scars of some traumatic experience in the past, whether it's an illness or a separation or, or something along those lines. This psalm reminds us that God still reigns. God is still in charge of the chaos in your family. And so ask, are you parent, is your parenting God-centered? Is your family God-centered? 
like these other examples, we are not ultimately in control, but we are called to action and we are called to trust in the God who is in control. God is completely in charge of the chaos of your family. God's reign extends to every corner of your life. This psalm refocuses our hearts, refocuses our anxious hearts upon God. Because God reigns. God reigns. And if you are in a place where you are experiencing anxiety and worry, I encourage you to run to this psalm. Because God reigns. Because God is the one who is in control. Perhaps, like me, it would be beneficial for you to memorize part of this psalm as a reminder to yourselves of God's reign and of God's rule. Friends, God reigns over your church. God reigns over your government. God reigns over your work. God reigns over your family. Rest in this truth. But don't just rest there. At the same time that this inspires a trust in God, it also inspires a God-focused action on our part. And so entrust your church by welcoming the newcomer and seeking God's will. Entrust your government to God by seeking God in the midst of the political process. Entrust your work to God by honoring him, both in the good and in the bad. And entrust your family to God by leading them as you follow him. God's reign extends to every area of your life. Rejoice in that truth. Let's pray. God, thank you that you reign, that you are still seated on your throne, that you are a good and gracious God. As we go forth from here, I pray that we would place our trust and our hope in you and that you would walk with us in the midst of whatever we may experience. Give us confidence in this fact, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Jordan's sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.